Okay, welcome back to Clinical Pearls for Graduate Physios. Um, today's a bit of a, a different episode. It's by myself this time, so no guest, no expert to, to talk through things. Apparently, I'm the expert now. Um, so if you don't enjoy my voice, then uh, probably turn off now. But <laughs> today I'm talking all about a how-to guide of moving to the UK to work. Um, as many of you would know, I've moved across recently in March to live in London. Um, it's been an awesome move so far, but uh, it's a it's a bit of a, a little bit of a tricky process at times. And I think it's helpful to. Well, I would have found it super helpful if I knew someone else who had done the process and could give me a really clear idea. So today's all about trying to give you a succinct as possible summary of how to go about it, where to start, what you'll need to do, all the preparation required. So hopefully it's a, a little bit easier for you. Um, it's a it's a very popular uh, pathway and lots of people love to do it. There's plenty of Aussies over here. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a popular for a reason. It's pretty good fun and um, I'm sure there's a, pl- a few listeners out there who will hopefully um, get some benefit out of this and, and be keen to move across. But without further ado, let's let's get into it. So um, I should preface this is my experience only with the UK as an Australian citizen. So I know I've got some listeners who are either in North America, Europe, um, Asia, whatnot. It's I can't speak for for you in terms of some of these aspects. So I do apologize, but um, yeah, it's, it might be worth just looking into the specific changes for your area. So today I want to cover a, a few different aspects. We're going to talk about visas. Um, we're going to talk about how to get your qualifications and recognized as a physio. Um, a little bit about accommodation, um, how to find work and different options for work and some other useful um, bits. So to start off with, I do want to give a massive shout out to Entrada Recruitment. They're sponsoring today's episode. Um, they are a recruitment agency based in the UK. Um, I'm personally working through them, which is why I, I reached out to them and, and we're keen to have them sponsor for today because they've just been so great. I'll talk about a bit a, a lot more about them later, though, but um, we'll, we'll get into that with, with time. To One thing to be aware of is the, the cost. So before we get into the nitty-gritty, it's probably good to know exactly how much money you're going to need because it is a big part of this process, unfortunately. I'd probably say at least 5000 Aussie dollars up front. Um, so this is going to help you pay for your... HCPC, which is your Health uh, Care Professionals Council uh, registration, which is the for any Australians listening, it's the equivalent of APRA, which is the governing body um, for physiotherapists um, in Australia. So this is the, the equivalent of that. It's also going to pay for your visa. There's an immigration health surcharge, which is about 1600 AUD. And there's other random costs which just pop up. So um, the other, you also need to prove that you've got a certain amount of money to support yourself in the UK. So just be prepared before you get into this. Uh, make sure you have got more money than you think um, because it is quite an expensive process. In regards to time, 
I'd ideally allow at least six months to for the whole process. Um, for me personally, it took me seven months alone for my HCPC registration to be from the time I submitted it to get approved, which is an extreme example. I've had some friends who, or some people I know who, it's taken them six weeks. So I think I was just a bit unlucky, but I guess my point is, again, similar to costs, allow more time than you think. It's You don't want to be going through the, the process in a real rush because there's quite a bit and you want to be able to read it carefully. Um, in terms of the sort of documents, there's sort of two big main things to consider. Your HCPC, which is the um, governing body which we talked about, the registration, and then the visa. We'll start talking with the HCPC. Um, so like I was saying, I mean, I had a very poor experience with them. But get on top of this as your main priority than your visa. Um, typically, it does take a bit longer, not only the waiting time, but also how much is required for you to fill out um, and all the, the documents you need certified. It is a fairly self-explanatory process. There is a document uh, when you get into when you get into it, which outlines exactly what they're after. Um, so that's good. It's really handy to have that handy with you the whole time. I would say just read it really carefully as any mistakes can delay you by a fair bit as they are notoriously slow to reply as I found I'm, I made one mistake and um, they, it took a, you know, at least a few weeks for them to get back to me and um, able to, to fix that up. So just try to be as careful as you can. One thing which I should point out is, like I was saying, it's mostly self-explanatory, but there's one tricky step um, which I've personally found, and I've one of my other friends who's already started this has found as well. So this is when you get to the part asking about the course information form. Um, you'll you'll know it when you see it. So there are some other documents when you're filling out the HCPC registration which you can get either you know another physio or another health professional to sign and and certify like you probably would have done in the past however this one requires an official stamp from your uni so for example for anyone who went to latrobe university if you google register pra- to register to practice overseas latrobe um, it'll lead you to a dropbox where you submit this hcpc course information form um, once it's completed and then this is it's a more of an official process so for the one for Latrobe it takes about two up to two weeks for them to, to, to get this stamp back to you and costs about 170 AUD so the HCPC will not accept it if it hasn't got that official stamp on it so um, yeah you must do whatever you process I'm sure each uni would have a similar link of which you can upload it or a similar process, but just make sure you look into that for whatever specific uni you went to. Once your HCPC is all complete, just regularly check on your result in your account as they can be a bit unpredictable and slow. So you'll once you'll make an account and it'll sort of say that it's been accepted and it'll either say application submitted or approved. You'll, you'll get an email as well if it is approved, but... Um, Again, like they are slow and many people have this experience. So if it's beyond the expected time frame, which I think they'll outline for you, I think is roughly six weeks, I want to say, or maybe it's two months that they say you should expect a result. Um, If you're not getting a result around there, just get on the front foot, call them. I'd really recommend that and and get an answer because, yeah, I mean, I end up calling them once a week for 
sort of six to eight weeks because I just couldn't get an answer. Actually, probably longer than that. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely do that. Um, and unfortunately, you know, can be a little bit luck of the draw. But that sort of HCPC in a nutshell. Again, there's more specific uh, specific stuff within it. But like I was saying, if you follow the details, it I sh- hopefully shouldn't need to explain too much of it. It's just time is the the main concern with it. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about visas. So the best option is the youth mobility visa. So this is for an Australian moving to the UK. Um, the youth mobility visa is for Australian citizens who are, I think it's under 30, I believe it's under 30. Um, and this allows you to have a two-year visa. So it's pretty good. So you can live and work in the UK for two years. So most people go with this option because it's, I think it's slightly cheaper than the other visa, which I'll talk about. Um, but it's the, just easier. The other one, which is a skilled worker visa, um, requires a job offer and an employer to sponsor you. So this is quite tricky because a lot of Australians who move to the UK aren't going to have heaps of experience to start with. So to get a job offer from someone who's never met you in the UK is hard. And then on top of that, for them to sponsor you is also really hard. Um, it then requires you to be working with that employer um, throughout the, the duration of your visa unless if you want to swap jobs, then that new employer will have to sponsor you again. So you're a little bit more tied down, less flexible. So if you can avoid that, I'd really recommend it. Um, there's a couple of other options for, for visas, which are a little bit more niche. Um, you might be eligible for these, but sort of the, these two I've mentioned, the, the main ones to consider. So I would start by looking to those. And certainly if you can go with the youth mobility, I would recommend it. Um, similar with the HCPC, get on top of this visa early, but I think the HCPC typically will take a bit longer. Um, similarly, again, it, it is a fairly self-explanatory process, but just be uh, be mindful. You will have to go in person to submit the paperwork, um, take photos, and then you'll have to go again on a separate occasion to pick up your visa once it's been approved in person. Uh, once you're in the UK, you will need to pick up your biometric residence permit. Again, they'll they'll mention this in an email and everything, uh, or your BRP. So this is a card which will allow you to stay in the UK for two years. And I think you have to pick it up from the time you're expecting to arrive. So they'll ask you for a date. You have to pick it up within, I think, three months. Um, or else there's, I can't remember what happens after that, but you want to pick it up in those three months. So... Yeah, that's that's essentially visas in a nutshell. Um, for for both visas and HCPC, you'll need various documents such as bank statements, utility bills, your university course information, like all the subjects you did. Um, that's all. A lot of that stuff's going to go in that course information form, which I was speaking about earlier. Um, vaccination records, etc. So you'll you'll figure out these when you come to it. But just to be aware, it might be worthwhile just saving them in a place um, that you you can come back to because you will use them regularly for various documents and and parts of this process. Um, all right, so that's sort of the the hard stuff out of the way. After that, let's uh, let's talk about work, which is probably one of the more you know interesting parts. One option which many, probably most physios that I know who are from Australia end up going with is locum work. 
Um, so locum work is essentially working short-term casual contracts. So consider like, you know, like a casual job in Australia, you know, you won't get leave, annual leave, you, you don't get paid if you're sick, all of those kind of things. Um, but similar to casual work in Australia gives you the most flexibility and pays a higher rate uh, as it's casual work. So for those who want to travel, you know, randomly take off a weekend here or sorry, sorry, a week here or, or whatnot. You can do that. So, for example, you know, I'm, I am working four days a week because I asked for it and they, they were happy with it. Um, and, you know, I, if I want to, for example, take a day off on a, on a Tuesday when I normally work, as long as I give them a bit of notice, that they're fine with it because that's sort of the, the nature and that's what they expect. Um, so, in relation to locum work, this is where Intrada recruitment comes in, which I was mentioning before, our, the sponsor for today. So, they deal a lot with locum jobs. Um, and just to give you a bit of context, I initially was going through a different agency. I had a pretty poor experience, to be honest. My, I'll start to work, I was meant to start work four weeks. Um, well, I was delayed, sorry, but by, by starting work by four weeks. And then then they just carried on and I didn't get an answer and it was just issues with compliance. It was just a, it made it really frustrating and stressful. But um, I was made aware of Intrada via Facebook actually and got in contact with them and they got me compliant to do like with all my paperwork and whatnot and found me a job in just over a week, which is pretty remarkable. So they're super. So the team there led by Chris Woods, who if you get in contact with uh, Intrada, you will come across Chris. He's fantastic. Uh, Paul is the head of the physio, um, uh, finding jobs for physios, and he's amazing as well. And they've got a, they've got a pretty big team. So um, I cannot recommend them highly enough. They've been so good to help me find my job and regularly in contact with me, making sure everything's okay um, as well because I referred one of my friends to them as well. I got a 300-pound referral, which is so good as well. Um, I'll put all of their details in the show notes, but if you if you want to get started, you can just search Intrada Recruitment on Google, socials, they've got LinkedIn as well. Um, but I, yeah, like I was saying, I'll definitely put their, their email and all their links in the show notes Um there's yeah loads of jobs on there as well, and not just uh, hospital jobs or just locum jobs. So definitely, definitely worth checking them out. The another option is bank work. So bank bank work is where you work for a specific company or a hospital, and you pick up shifts. So for example, I've got a, a weekend bank role at a hospital in London. Um, so at the start of a month, they'll send out shifts for let's say for May. Here are the shift to you know take what you want basically, um, so it's a can be a handy option. I think the the only downside is it's probably a little bit less potentially regular, um, but you know a, similar to locum work, it pays well. It's casual work, so it can be a nice option just to pick your hours and you can work how much or how little you want, which is quite good. The the other option which is pretty standard is either working full-time, part-time. Private practices are pretty similar from my understanding. In uh, the UK, I'm, I'm working in the NHS. Personally, I haven't had any personal experience with private uh, practice, but one of my friends is over here. It seems pretty similar. I'm sure that there are some 
subtle differences and a lot of people will um, opt to wait to get NHS free treatment as opposed to paying for private practice. It's a little bit of a, a slight difference, but yeah, on the whole, it's quite similar. So, um, but that being said, you know, there's no reason why you can't work full time or part time in a hospital or aged care or whatnot as well. So, um, keep all of that in mind. Um, okay, insurance. So, insurance is an interesting one. So, a lot of people in Australia will get their insurance through the Australian Physiotherapy Association (APA). Um, what I did and what you can do is you can change your membership to international. So this will give you basic insurance cover whilst you're working and living in the UK, um, which is quite a nice option. Uh, it's, I found it the, sort of the easiest, but you know, you can, you might want to consider additional cover. Uh, I believe it's only fairly basic cover and you might want to also check with your personal uh, insurance company in Australia if they offer, also offer international coverage. But um, yeah, make sure you do get across that. I think there's an option as well, the uh, Chartered Society of Physiotherapy, which is CSP for short. They uh, also uh, offer insurance as well, and they're kind of similar to the APA just over here. So it might be worth looking to them as well. But again, I don't know too much about them. I haven't had personal experience with that. Um, all right, that's kind of the main stuff for the physio-specific side of things. Another part is, of course, accommodation. Um, you may have heard from anyone who's moved to London or the UK. I think other parts of the UK are probably a bit easier. But London is probably where most of anyone who's listening to today is going to want to move to and it is notoriously hard um so it's extremely competitive you pay a lot for not too much um so i thought i'd give a couple of quick tips on this even though it's not a, a huge part in terms of the physio role but obviously still very important to get over here so uh check out the spare room app so this is where agencies or people will post jobs so not post jobs uh, post properties or rooms on there um, the thing is be mindful is there's a pretty quick turnover so I tried to organize my accommodation before I came over most people who I'd spoken to had already done it before me said don't bother with that because you might come across some dodgy agents or scammers things like that um, being in a different country and you can't really prove it or see if it's an actual address and all those kinds of things. And I'd probably agree with that. I actually found a place um, before I came over, which was very lucky, but that doesn't mean I'd necessarily recommend it to, to everyone. What most people do is they organize an Airbnb first for three or four weeks. Then they've got somewhere to base themselves and then spend those first three or four weeks just really trying to find a property. Um, and if you go to enough listings, you will find one. But um, yeah, it's it's easier once you are over here. So I would recommend that. Um, the other option as well is on Facebook. There's a Facebook page called Hackney Wick Spaces. Again, I can put links to all these things in the show notes, but that's just another place where people will post properties. For anyone from Melbourne, it's very similar to how Fairy Floss Estate, which is another Facebook page, runs. Um, people just put their uh, their properties or rooms in there. There's things like, you know, there's sublets for a month, two months, three months. So there's a variety of options. So that's a, another good place to look. Speaking of Facebook, 
Aussies in London Facebook page is another really helpful spot to if you want to get troubleshooting with if it's related to visas or finding accommodation or good pubs to go to or whatever you want, um, finding housemates, all that kind of stuff. So m- make sure you join that ahead of time. It's good to get a feel for what you should expect when moving here. Um, all right, I think that's about it. So overall, I think I wouldn't be too concerned about it being a really hard process. It's just one that does take some money uh, up front and does take time. So if you can have some savings put aside and plenty of time put aside to to sort it all out, it's going to make your life a lot easier, um, particularly for those who are still working full-time or part-time um, and trying to trying to juggle all the the, the paperwork um, required to, to do this process. I hope this has been helpful. Um, it's, it is a, you know, it is, can, can be a bit confusing. So hopefully if I've helped a, a few of you out there, then I've done my job. Um, don't hesitate to shoot me a message on Instagram, which is at clinical.pearls for anyone who's not following. If you want some additional help, And once again, massive shout out to Entrada Recruitment for sponsoring today's episode. Make sure you get in touch with them if you're keen to the move, uh, if you're keen to move to the UK. But uh, once again, thank you, and I hope it was helpful.